Well, good morning. I'm glad some of you, or there are some people who set their clock ahead last night before you went to bed, and thank you for tuning in, those that are watching online. Last evening, uh, I had a wedding that I conducted. It was a wonderful night where I married uh, Jennifer Elrod and Cameron Williams, and uh, they had this beautiful bench. I'd never seen anything quite like it. It was made out of two cedar trees, one from his property and one from her property. They had the, the trees cut up and had this beautiful cedar bench made out of those trees. And, and then they had the bench sitting near the door. And you're, the, the deal was you're supposed to sign it, wish them well. And then eventually they were going to put lacquer over that and put it in their home. And so I was standing there near the doorway, standing near the bench. I think I was waiting on Lisa to sign the bench. And, and I was just standing in the back of the room near the bench. And... Uh, <clears throat> As I was standing there, a lady came up to me. She obviously wasn't paying attention. She came up right to me, kind of leaned over towards me and said, Okay, I signed the bench. Where do you want to sit? I didn't know this lady. I've never met this lady. And I turned to look at her, and she's obviously not looking at me. She's scanning the audience. She's trying to find a place to sit. And she's looking. I'm thinking, you know, I need to tell her I'm not who she thinks I am. But she's so involved, she said, we could sit over there. What, what do you, you want to sit over there? Well, she said, there's a couple of seats over here. And, and then she, she, she paused for a moment, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, I just need to tell her I'm not her husband. And then, then that, that other angel on the other shoulder said, no, let's just see where this goes. <laughs> And so, so she's scanning the room. She's just standing real close to me, scanning the room and looking around. And she kept pointing, how about, how about that side? Oh, oh, maybe we could sit over here. And finally, she turned in my direction. And, and when she turned and looked at me, she said, where do you want to sit? And she turned and looked at me. And I started laughing, and eventually she started laughing. And she was apologizing profusely. I had no idea. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And then the James Shorter came out in me. I said, man, I was laughing. I said, ma'am, don't you worry about that. I said, if you want to sit over there, you sit over there. There's some good seats over here. I'm just sorry I can't sit with you. See, in a few minutes, I'm going to be standing down front. <laughs> she said, are you the preacher? <laughs> I said, I am. And she took off. <laughs> oh, my, I'll never forget that. Well, it's good to start this message with a laugh because when I get to the end of the message, you may have tears in your eyes. Seriously. You may want to cry. I, I told our folks on Wednesday nights in our Bible study that sometimes God calls you to do something that you just don't want to do. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like God's calling you to do this and you just don't want to do it. Or maybe God's call is to something that you're afraid to do. I know what that feels like, for God to call you to do something you're afraid to do. Or, or maybe sometimes God may call you to do something you just don't feel qualified to do. And I know what that feels like too. And usually in those cases, we give God a long list of why we can't or won't do what He's asking us to do. I, and the excuses range from, I'm too young, or I'm too old, or I don't have the education to do that. I don't have the experience to do that. I don't have the qualifications. Or I'm afraid, or I'm nervous, or I, I, I would have to give up too much to, to do that. 
uh, or I don't want to change, whatever it may be. But here's the thing we're going to learn today. Obeying God is not a practical decision. It is a lordship decision. You're going to hear me say that more than once throughout the message. Obeying God is not a practical decision. It is a lordship decision. You know, the names of God that we've been studying so far in this series have, have been Elohim and Yahweh or Jehovah. And it's been encouraging to learn those names and to kind of deepen our understanding of who God is. Just to review Elohim, the God that is revealed to us in the Genesis 1-1 is, is, is God, but it, the name Elohim means the all-powerful creator. God is eternal and He created the heavens and the earth. We're, we're talking about God, but He's referred to as Elohim because He is the all-powerful creator, the creator of the heavens and the earth. And, and then last week we talked about Jehovah. Again, we're still talking about the same God, but it's another name for Him because this name Jehovah is God's personal name. In fact, in Genesis or Exodus 3, uh, God says, this is my name, my personal name, the name I want to be remembered by from generation to generation. And, and the name means that God wants to be personally involved in our lives, that this God of creation is involved in, in His creation. It's a covenant name for God. It's, God is a present tense God, not just uh, a past tense God. It's, he's a God you can know in a personal way. That's Jehovah. Now listen to me carefully. As you study the names of God like Elohim and Jehovah, we can marvel at the person of God. We can marvel at the majesty of God. But the name under consideration today is Adonai. And Adonai is a different kind of name because Adonai makes a claim on our lives. You see, this name calls for obedience. This name Adonai calls for service. You can call God Elohim or you can call God Jehovah and keep Him at a distance. But if you call Him Adonai, it's going to require something from you. It's easy to recognize the name Adonai in your English Bibles. You don't have to know Hebrew to understand where this name is because the way you recognize the name Adonai in your English Bibles is that it's spelled this way, capital L, small case, O-R-D. Now we talked last week about the name Jehovah or Yahweh is, is all caps. It's the, it's the name Lord, but it's all in capital letters, capital L-O-R-D. But Adonai, also the name Lord, capital L, small case, O-R-D. Adonai in some form or another occurs in your Old Testament about 300 times. But it's interesting, it can also refer to a, to a human ruler as well as to God Almighty. When it's used in reference to a person, when it's used in reference to a man, in the Hebrew text it's Adon, A-D-O-N. And it's always in the singular when it refers to a man or a person, a leader, a human leader we might say. And it's always spelled small case L-O-R-D. Someone who has authority, someone who is a master over somebody else, but it's their small case, L-O-R-D, small case Lord. But when it's used in reference to God, it's always in the plural, Adon with A-I at the end of it, Adonai. It's always in the plural in reference to God, and it means the God who has authority over everything and everyone. The name Adonai challenges us to recognize God's lordship over our lives. 
Now, if you're taking notes, and I see some of you are, and I really appreciate you doing that, uh, let me tell you that Adonai really has a dual meaning. And whenever you see, you read the name Adonai, whenever you talk about Adonai, it really has a dual meaning. First of all, Adonai means ownership. Put that word ownership down there on your notes. It means ownership. We recognize that everything belongs to God because He is Adonai, including us. You see, the Bible says in the New Testament, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says even your body belongs to Him. You remember what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 6, 19? He says, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. You don't belong to you anymore. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, even your body belongs to God. Let's see if this doesn't make sense. Because He is Elohim, the God, the powerful God of all creation, and because He is Jehovah, the God who's personally involved in your life, then He has a right to all of you. To your body, to your soul, to your spirit. Because He's the one who has given you life. And friend, until God truly owns all of you, you won't be able to experience all of Him. If God doesn't own all of you, you won't be able to experience all of Him. So I said Adonai has a dual meaning. One, it means ownership. But on the other hand, secondly, Adonai means obedience. Or you may write down lordship means obedience. That is, we completely submit our lives to the one we call Adonai. We completely submit our lives to the one we call Lord. You see, confessing God as your Adonai or as your Lord means nothing if you're not willing to do what you say. It's mere words unless you're willing to do what you say. You see, knowing who God is and surrendering to what God says, those are two different things, right? I can know who God is. But am I willing to surrender to what God says? Adonai, Lord, requires obedience. Adonai, or Lord, requires sacrifice sometimes. Adonai, or Lord, comes with a heart that follows God and recognizes He's the owner, therefore He calls the shots in my life. And if He does not call the shots in my life, He is not my Adonai. He's not my Lord. Lord requires obedience. See, the fact is, a lot of us struggle with the issue of ownership, don't we? All of us do. For the very first time we understand what mine means, we often make a claim to ownership. I can prove this to you if you've ever seen little kids playing. Uh, if, If there's a toy in the room and there's two little kids playing, eventually there's going to be one toy that one kid has and the other kid wants. And when that one toy that one kid has, the other kid wants, he, t- he or she will take it away from that, that child. And when they take it away, they grab it and they say, Mine! Your kids ever do that? Somehow, we learn at a very early age about ownership. And then, we struggle through our adult lives, prying our hands loose and letting God have it. We, we pry, it's hard to pry our hands loose and, and let God be Lord of everything we have. Your experience with God, though, is tied to your willingness to surrender to Him as your 
Adonai. And I'd like to prove that to you by pointing you to Scripture. You wondered if we would ever get there. Exodus chapter 4. Last week we left off at Exodus chapter 3. We continued the story. It's the exact story. It's just a continuation in Exodus chapter 4. Last week we looked at chapter 3. And let me just remind you by reading verses 13 through 15, chapter 3, of what we talked about last week. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And God also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, The Lord, Jehovah, Yahweh, the God or the Elohim of your fathers, the God of Abraham and Isaac and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. That was last Sunday. And we introduced you to the name Yahweh or Jehovah. When we come to chapter 4, Moses is still not convinced he can do what God's calling him to do. When you come to chapter 4, the conversation is still going on. And Moses is still not convinced that he should do what God is calling him to do. So we come to chapter 4, verse 1. Again, the conversation continues. Moses answered, What if... Paul's right there. What if? Would you underline those two words? What if? Many Christians have failed to obey God because of those two words. They have failed to let God be Adonai, Lord of their lives, because of the fear those two words bring to them. What if? What if all kinds of scenarios begin to play in our mind? All kinds of excuses begin, begin to come to our, our tongue. What if? What if? What, well, what about this? What about this? What if? And, and the what ifs often keep us from surrendering. The what ifs keep us from obeying. A pastor friend said this week that he invited a lady to church. And... Uh, <clears throat> She was very nice, and he was inviting her to church, and she said, eventually, she said, I'm sorry, I, we, our family won't be able to come this Sunday, and he said, okay, she said, I, I, I really apologize, I wish we could, but we're out of peanut butter, we won't be able to come Sunday. And he looked at her, and he said, I'm sorry, ma'am, you're going to have to explain that to me, you can't come to church next Sunday because you're out of peanut butter? She said, yeah, I said, you know, if you're going to make an excuse, one excuse is as good as another, so that's the reason we can't be there next week. We're out of peanut butter. Moses is making his peanut butter excuse here. And he says in verse 1, What if they don't believe me? Or listen to me? And say, The Lord did not appear to you. Then the Lord said to him, Now notice, by the way, that the Lord here is all capital letters. So that is Yahweh, Jehovah. Then the Lord said to him, Jehovah said to him, What's in your hand? Now this is so good. Watch this. What's in your hand? A staff, he replied. Moses was a shepherd, and he was out in the fields, and he had the shepherd's staff with him. And the Lord, Jehovah, said, throw it on the ground. Now, don't miss this. This is so simple, but so powerful. I want you to see that God is teaching him how to respond to Adonai. What's in your hand? A staff. Throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a snake. And he ran from it. And I would too. But watch what's happening. God is teaching him 
about Adonai. He's teaching him to obey. What's in your hand? A staff. Throw it on the ground. And he did. He obeyed. And it became a snake. And then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand to take it by the tail. And I would, well, I would have said, you got another option? <laughs> and so Moses, watch this. He's learning to obey. Moses reached out his hand, took hold of the snake, and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This is an important part of the story because God is teaching him about surrender and obedience. What's in your hand? Throw it on the ground. Pick it up. He's teaching him about Adonai. He just doesn't realize it yet. Let's keep reading. So Moses reached out, took the, hand, uh, took the snake, and it turned into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, Jehovah, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. This is so that they'll know that the God of the past has appeared to you in the present. The God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God of the past, has appeared to you in the present. So take this staff and you can do this miracle so that they will know that that God back then is the same God that appeared to you now. Keep reading the story. God wanted to give him another lesson about Adonai. It says in verse 6, And the Lord said, Put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was leprous like snow. Again, Adonai is speaking. He's Jehovah, but he's learning, a, he's teaching him a lesson about obedience. Put your hand in your cloak. And he did. When he brought it out, it was leprous. And, and watch what happens. Now put it back in your cloak, he said, verse 7. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored like, like the rest of his flesh. He's learning some lessons here about obedience. And how God, if He really is your Adonai, if, he really, if you really are surrendered to Him, and you really do obey Him, that He can do for you what you could never imagine. God's given him some object lessons about following Adonai. And he goes on in verse 8, the Lord said, if they do not believe you or pay attention to the first miraculous sign, that is the staff turning into a snake and then back to a staff, they may believe the second. About your hand and the leprosy and then being healed again. But, verse 9, if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it on dry ground. And the water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. Now, I want you to read verse 10 carefully. This is where we read about Adonai. After those two object lessons, Moses said to the Lord, he said to Jehovah, all capital letters, L-O-R-D, all capital letters, O Lord... Capital L, small case, O-R-D. Moses said to the Lord, to Jehovah, O Adonai, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. Moses is trying to give God reasons why he can't do what God's calling him to do. And his reasons sound legit to him. I've never been eloquent. I've always been slow of speech, and scholars debate whether or not he had a speech impediment, or maybe what it really was, Moses was saying, listen, I'm just not the eloquent type. I don't have a quick wit. I don't have a quick mind. I've seen Pharaoh before. I've been before Pharaoh before. And when he starts asking questions, I'm afraid I'm going to stand there and go, um, 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 
uh, I can't do what you're asking me to do. I'm, I'm not that guy. I'm not that gifted. So verse 11, the Lord said to him, Who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. And I hope you speak and will teach you what to say. Verse 13, an important verse. But Moses said, Oh Adonai, please send someone else to do it. He was a Baptist, wasn't he? Please send somebody else to do it. Have you ever been reluctant to do something you knew God was calling you to do? I sure have. God wants you to recognize and to submit to Him as your Master, as your Lord, as your Adonai. The problem is too many times... We want a Savior, we just don't want a Lord. Right? We want a full-time blessing, we just want a part-time commitment. But if you're going to call God your Adonai, it means that in every day and in every way, He is your Master, He is your Ruler, He is your Lord. Now here's the good part. Everybody get ready, this is a good part. When you surrender your life to Adonai, when you truly declare Him to be God and Lord of your life, He takes responsibility for your life. He takes responsibility for what He's calling you to do. See if you agree with this. God possesses all that you need. Would you agree with that? God possesses all that you need. God also has your best interest at heart. And He knows what you don't know. And He can do what you can't do. He's just waiting for you to finally confess Him as your Adonai, as your Master, as your Lord. As we look at the story of Moses in the last few minutes here, as we look at his story in chapter 4, I want to show you two important key lessons about Adonai or about the Lordship of God. And here's the first one. When God calls you to a task, it's more about trust than talent. When God calls you to a task, when God calls you to do something, it's more about trust than talent. You see in verses 10 through 12, Moses called God Adonai, but he really struggled to let God be Adonai in his life. And the reason is because of what he said in verse 10. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. He didn't feel qualified to do what God was calling him to do. He was thinking in terms of talent rather than trust. He just didn't feel able, didn't feel gifted. He didn't think he was the right man. And so he was fully hesitant to trust in God's ability. He knew about his inability and he was hesitant to fully trust in God's ability. That's why he says in verse 13, God, please send somebody else. Listen, if you really want to unleash God's power in your life, you need to make a habit of trying as best you can not to put no and God in the same sentence. Because they really are incompatible. If you keep putting no and God in the same sentence, or keep putting no and Lord in the same sentence, you're missing what God could do in your life and through your life. Here's Moses, very reluctant, very nervous, standing back, saying, I can't do this. But the only way to fully understand Adonai is to fully trust that his power is greater than yours. 
It's incompatible to call God Lord and then tell Him all that you can't do. It's not about talent, it's about trust. Second lesson is this. When God calls you to a task, I like this one. When God calls you to a task, He's calling you into a deeper relationship with Him. When God is calling you to a task, He's not just calling you to that task. He's calling you into a deeper relationship with Him. Let's continue the story in verse 13. Man, I like this. Moses said, oh Lord, please send someone else to do it. Verse 14, then the Lord's anger burned against Moses and he said, what about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He's, he's already on his way to meet you and his heart will be glad when he sees you. And God says in verse 15, you shall speak to him and put words in his mouth and I will help both of you and will speak, uh, I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you and it will be as if you were, he were, it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. Take this staff, watch this, take this staff in your hand so that you can perform the miraculous signs with it. Take this staff in your hands so that you can perform the miraculous signs with it. Then, watch this. I don't know how long it took between verse 17 and verse 18. I don't know how long you had to think about it. I don't know how long you had to pray about it. I don't know how long he paused. But then, Moses went back to Jethro, his father-in-law. And said, let me go back to my own people in Egypt to see if any of them are still alive. He had made a lordship decision. Then, he made a lordship decision. So he goes back to Jethro and he says, I need to go back to Egypt. Will you let me go? Now listen, some people are content just to, just to know God as Elohim. And some people are content just to know God as Jehovah. They're content to know about God. They are content to marvel at God. They are content to keep God at a distance. But friend, unless God truly owns all of you, you will not be able to experience all of Him. So Moses makes a lordship decision. It's a decision where you have to answer two questions. The decision he had to answer is the decision you have to answer. The two questions are these. Are you going to recognize God's ownership of your life? That he's in charge and he calls the shots. Question number two is, are you going to respond in obedience? There's nothing quite like Experiencing God doing something through you, you never felt qualified to do. You see, Adonai comes with obedience. Adonai comes with sacrifice. And Adonai comes with a heart that follows God and recognizes He's Lord and I'm not. So then, it says, verse 17 and 18, Then, Moses went back to Jethro. Let me go back to my people in Egypt to see if any of them are still alive. Jethro said, go, and I wish you well. Or go, yeah, and I wish you well. Verse 19. Now, the Lord had said to Moses in Midian, Go back to Egypt, for all the men you, who wanted to kill you are dead. Now, verse 20 is the verse I want you to see. Get your pen handy. So Moses took his wife and his sons 
and he put them on a donkey and he started back to Egypt. Question. Did Moses go back to Egypt because he wanted to go? No. Did Moses go back to Egypt because he felt qualified for the job? No. Did Moses go back to Egypt because of the need of the Hebrew people? No. I mean, it's pretty easy to find the answer to those questions. If you just read verse 13, Moses said, Oh Lord, please send somebody else. He didn't go back to Egypt because he wanted to. Moses went back to Egypt because God told him to go back to Egypt. He made a lordship decision. It wasn't a practical decision. It was a lordship decision. You can call God Adonai, but you can't experience Him as Adonai until you obey Him. You can call God your Lord, but you can't experience Him as your Lord until you obey Him. So Moses took his family and he put them on a donkey and he headed back to Egypt. But that's not the end of the verse. Let's read the rest of verse 20. And he took the staff of God in his hand. That's the part you might want to underline. And he took the staff of God in his hand. Each day as Moses walked back toward Egypt, he carried a reminder That following God is not about what you can do, it's about what He can do. He carried the staff of God. That staff He had thrown down and it became a snake. That staff He had picked up, or or that snake He had picked up and it became a staff. He carried the staff of God with Him back to Egypt. And every day as He's walking across those desert sands, and He's walking with that staff, every day it's a reminder. It's not about what I can do, it's about what He can do. The staff of God was a reminder of God's presence and God's power. It was a reminder of God's ability rather than His ability. It was a reminder that He was living under the Lord. Under Adonai. Can I remind you that later, months, months, months later, when they get to the edge of the Red Sea, Can I remind you that as they're at the Red Sea and a million, two, three million people behind them and the Egyptian army coming after them, the Red Sea in front of them, what did Moses raise in the air? He raised in the air the staff of God. Because he had learned, I am Adonai and I am yielded to you and I am trusting in you. And it's not about my talent, it's about my trust. And God, right now I'm trusting in you. And he took the staff of God and he held it in the air and Adonai parted the waters. But you never experience God that way until you trust Him enough to obey Him. You don't know Adonai until you trust Him enough to say yes. So every day as he marched back toward Egypt with his family, going to a place he didn't really want to go, To do something he really didn't want to do. Every day he carried the staff of God as a reminder. It's not about what I can do. It's about what he can do. You see throughout scripture those who know God as Adonai always exhibit three characteristics. Write these down. 
Those who acknowledge God as Adonai. You just read through the scriptures and find Adonai. And every time people who acknowledge God as Adonai or as their Lord, they always exhibit three things. And that, the first one is this. They see themselves as servants of the God who owns everything. They see themselves simply as servants of the God who owns everything. Number two. They understand that their master can supply all of their needs. Because he owns everything, he can supply all of their needs. And so they're going out in faith, they're trusting, in, and they're going out in obedience. Because they believe, they really believe he's Lord. And they really believe, not only does he own everything, he can, give me any, he can meet any need that I have. So I'm going to trust Adonai. And number three, they realize they can do whatever God calls them to do because he will enable them to do it. See, the bottom line is, God wants us to fully submit to who He is. He's not just Elohim. He's not just Jehovah. But in your life and in mine, He also wants to be Adonai. Elohim and Jehovah, we can keep God at a distance. Adonai requires something from us. Our faith. Our obedience. I'm going to ask you today, would you say this today? Not to me, but to God. Would you say today, God, I surrender all that I am to all that you are. You're my Adonai. You are my Lord. And I surrender all that I am to all that you are. That's what it means to walk in trust. That's what it means to walk in obedience. Would you pray with me? God, help us to walk in fellowship with You and to believe that You are our Adonai. You are our Lord, our Ruler, our Master. And may we walk in obedience to that. And in those times that are a little bit scary because maybe You're calling us to something we don't feel qualified for, we don't feel able to do, we don't feel gifted for, We don't feel like we've got the credentials or the experience. Remind us it's not about what we can do, but it really is about what you can do. Help us to follow you, to obey you, to surrender all that we are to all that you are. And I pray that in Jesus' name, amen.